Today on the Heartland Community Church Podcast, lead pastor Eric Parks continues the Out of Style series with the message, Trust versus Control. Hey, Heartland, so glad that you're joining us again, wherever you're joining us from. You might be at home, on your couch, having coffee. You might be at the gym. Maybe you're with a friend. Maybe you're at your desk at work. Don't skip out on doing your work. Maybe you're driving on your phone. Don't drive and watch this, but we're so glad, however it is that you're joining us this week, as we dive in and continue on our series called Out of Style. You know, we've been looking over the last four weeks, what does it look like to be tov? That's a word that we've been using, which is really just another word. It's the Hebrew for goodness. How how do we live a life of goodness? What does it look like for us as a church? And we've been centering both in God's word and on this book, a book that Scott McKnight, theologian, wrote, a church called Tove, using it as sort of like a baseline. How do we become the kind of place that is Tove, that's good? Because here's the ultimate, here's the truth. It matters that our church is Tove. Here's why. Scott McKnight says it this way. He says, because we understand, or how we understand, and feel about our relationship with God is formed and it is fostered by the culture of the church that we are in. That is true of all of us. And that's why it's fundamentally important that we bring these elements that we've said have maybe gone out of style in our culture, like empathy and grace and humility, that we bring them back into style. We have to as a church. We have to strive to be a tove, a goodness place. And so we continue on in this series looking at what does it mean to be a tove church. And today we talk about this. If we're gonna be tove, if we're really gonna be a place of goodness, we have to be a place of empathy. We have to be a place of grace. We have to be a place of humility. And ultimately, we have to be a place that's a people first place, people first place. Now, for so many of us, so often we believe that we're people first, but the truth is that we can't be people first people until we start doing people first stuff, until we begin to realize that until we not just mentally ascend to people first, but start to do people first stuff, it will never be a church of Tov. We have to do it, to open our doors and invite people in. This is why I taught last week about the prodigal son. We gotta throw parties instead of throw stones. We have to be people first. And I know that it's countercultural because in our world, the reality is that being people first isn't something that we do naturally. In fact, I think we're very me first, others second or third, maybe fourth, sometimes fifth. And this is why we wanna continue to align our lives to this. Remember what Steve said in week one, we're not gonna look left for our ideas about what it means to be tov. We're not gonna look right. We're not gonna swipe down. Rather, we're gonna take time and live under what God said. We wanna look to Jesus' life as our rabbi to help us understand how do we bring these principles back in style. And today, fun today, I've asked some of my friends to share a little bit 
about how we can be a place of tov, how we can bring people first, people back in style. Hi. Hi. What's your name? <laughs> What's up? My name is Daly. Okay, so here's a question. When I say to you that we as followers of Jesus should be people first, like people first people, right? What comes to mind? What do you think about? I think I think about Jesus and I think about how, I mean, like his mandate to us is like he, the greatest commandment is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And the second one is just like it, like is as equal in value, is to love your neighbor as yourself. I think about the life of Jesus and how at every turn in the gospels, when you see his story, he was constantly attracting people who were nothing like him, like people who were not like Jesus, liked Jesus. Mm. Where do we miss it often as Christians when it comes to a people first approach? Our society, because as much as we want to say, like, we are out of the world, and we are, but we are also so deeply ingrained in the world, and I I think we fall victim to that self-first mentality that we see around us, because whether we like, whether we want to admit it or not, we, we want to look out for ourselves. We want to be safe. We want to be secure. We want to be accepted. We want to be on top, or, like, we, we want, we want to be first, even though, you know, we don't want to admit it. If you were talking to someone who is brand new to their faith about people being people first, what would you say to them? It's going to be, it's really uncomfortable because it feels really contradictory to the message that you're going to get everywhere else, even within the church sometimes. If you're wanting to live the way of Jesus, then being uncomfortable is going to be the norm. The things of Jesus that I want to be is the people who look nothing like me, who don't think like me, even though that's really hard to actually say out loud sometimes, who don't think like me, who don't talk like me, who maybe don't vote like me or have the same background as me or whatever. I want them to want to be around me because I reflect a God who wants them. Who's for them. Yeah. Whose main goal is like this ultimate cosmic redemption, reconciliation, bringing all people to himself. And that's what I want. That's what I want people to feel when they're around me is that I represent a God like that, who would always put them first, who would be for them, who who died on a cross for people who didn't deserve it. You know, he's people first. People who were not like Jesus, like mm-hmm. Jesus. Now, I, I think I know your parents. <laughs> I think you do, sir. Oh, yeah. Oh, no, no. Right, we'll say hi to them when you see them. <laughs> I will. I'll tell them when you say hello. All right. I love you. Thank you. I, I want you to hear what, how Scott McKnight says this. He says, the circle of Tobe begins when a church sees people as people, treats them as people by nurturing them to become what God designed them to be people with names and histories and stories, people who are doing well, people who are not. 
people who are recovering from church abuse, people who've had surgeries and sickness, people who are aging, people who are rich and poor, and everything in between, people who are wounded and in need of healing, people who are unemployed and underemployed, people who are in need of encouragement and tangible assistance. The essence of treating people as people can be summed up in 12 simple words from Jesus himself. Do to others as you would have them do to you. I mean, this is the essence of what Jesus did, and it is why, as Daly so brilliantly put it, she is brilliant. Oh, by the way, she's my daughter. She said, people who weren't like Jesus liked Jesus. That's so profound. Why? Well, I think at its essence, it goes back to the reality that Jesus saw in every single person he locked eyes with, he saw an image bearer. Like when you look at someone and you begin to really see that every single person that you've locked eyes with is an image bearer, it has to change the way we interact with them. The reason why people who weren't like Jesus liked him is because it's really hard not to like somebody who loves you. It's crazy difficult when someone sees you as an image bearer and they invite you in, even when you don't look anything alike, right? It's powerful, and this is the model that there isn't a single person that you will walk by this week, this month, that isn't an image bearer. They might not look anything like you. They don't have any background like yours. But they're image bearers. And when we begin to start there, that is the first step in understanding what Jesus is asking us to do, to realize there isn't a person that you'll walk by in this life from now until your last breath that isn't an image bearer. It's not just you and people who look like you. Jamar Tisby, who I just think is a brilliant author, he puts it this way. He says, the image of God extends to black and white, men and women, rich and poor, incarcerated and free, queer and straight, documented and undocumented, powerful and oppressed. Every single person that you will ever encounter, they possess this incalculable value that's derived from God. Because every single one of us, we all bear his image. But I know that too often that's not where we start. We don't start with people as image bearers. We start with, well, no, we share background with each other or we look like each other. And that's why our circles just look a lot like us. Jesus was this amazing rabbi that created a circle of people that looked nothing like him. He sat with people who looked nothing like him. Why do you think everybody was always so upset with him? Because they're like, who is this guy? Why is he sitting with all of these broken, sinful people? Why is he always with the marginalized and outside? Why is he with people that don't look anything like him? Why is his disciples a bunch of misfits? Why in the world would Jesus put a tax collector and fishermen together? Now think about it. 
Matthew was taxing who? Fishermen. Who do you think hated tax collectors that put tax on their goods any more than fishermen? And Jesus said, hey, Matthew, you're a tax collector. Hey, you know, Peter, James, John, you're fishermen. I'll tell you what, I'm going to create a, a crew. Oh, the guys you hate the most, I'm going to put them all together. Because he, he did this because he was a people first person. See, seeing people as image bearers is step one. But here's the truth. It has to lead to action, right? Like being a people first person isn't just mental ascension to the idea. No, 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 no. We have to broaden our circles. We have to invite the outsider in. We have to create a space, a church, where wherever you come from, you're like, this is home. Come on in. Why? Because you're an image bearer. You don't have to look like us. You don't have to think like us. In fact, there's something powerful that happens when we become a Tove church, where we believe that people are image bearers. What happens is people start walking by our church and they start going, now, wait a minute. How in the world is Heartland so crazy diverse like that? Like people from everywhere, all walks of life, all ages, all socioeconomic backgrounds. All races, colors, creeds, all of them. How does a place that crazy diverse, how are they so crazy unified? Because when we see God's image in everyone, it changes the way we act. You were talking about the disciples and some of what made Jesus like such an obvious people first person. To say something about that. All Jesus ever wants uh, from any of us is just a sliver. He, he uses the ancient term seed, right? But he just wants a sliver of, of faith, uh, one step in, in his direction. And, and that's all he asks in the beginning. Um, he doesn't want your salvation right away. He doesn't want you to immediately declare him Lord, Savior, King. He just says, hey, you want to you want to come follow me? And the minute that Matthew or Peter or Andrew or any of those guys in, in the Bible would say, all right, and then they just pick up and follow him, that's all Jesus wants to work with. He's so unlike us, I think, especially, unfortunately, in the church, he's so comfortable with the process. And so the minute you say, yeah, I'll, I'll walk with you, I'll, I'll learn from you, I'll listen to you, I'll try and do some things you do uh, when you tell me to, that's all he needs to work with. And we know the end result of those guys, like, and, and billions of others now, like. Where is it that we fall short? What do we do wrong when it comes to that approach? I think we live in a culture that's obsessed with quantifiable results. And you, you make money in a capitalistic society. You make your way in a capitalistic society by being able to go back to your people, quote unquote, and give quanti quantifiable um, statistics or numbers about here's here's what we've done for the church world it's here's how many people we baptized here's how many people came to know Christ and all those numbers are amazing but I think if we're not careful as pastors we lose you guys are in the Tobe series right yeah we can start to lose the original intent of being a shepherd which is just simply be good to people in the name of Jesus the best example I have it's one of my favorite stories in scripture is John 8 right and it's the woman who's caught in adultery right 
Yeah. And almost the whole story that we get, the whole historical account, is not Jesus discipling her or putting her through his therapy on how to not commit adultery again. It's him defending her at the height of her rebellion, which is about to get her killed, to guys that could actually bump up his career really well if he cared about quantifiables more than goodness. Hmm. And I love that Jesus just spends all the time defending her till nobody else is around. And then as soon as all the haters are gone, as soon as all the people are gone, and he's fully defended her, he's earned her trust parts. Hmm. Like to me, that that's everything. He's earned her trust. Then he privately can look at her and as calm as Jesus was, could just be like, hey, don't do that anymore. This has always blown my mind, Parks. If the creator of the universe felt the need to earn trust with a, a lowly woman in first century Judea on the back end of her worst mistake, like we should be earning trust at a way higher level because we're not him. Oh, and yet and yet we seem to put more constraints and pressures and burdens on people to come to Jesus than he ever did. He's so fundamentally good to her that she can't help but trust whatever he's going to say next. Then he has an open door to go, okay, now here's what it looks like to live in my kingdom. Hmm. Why wouldn't that girl want to be a lifelong, eternal follower of Jesus? Tove, the spirit of Tove is the essence of who Jesus was. Therefore, I'm going to put the brakes on a lot of things you guys thought were important. Yeah, it's funny because I think about where we miss it so often, where I miss it. And... Um... Oftentimes when it comes to like this idea that we're for someone, um, we're for someone as long as they do whatever it is we want them to do on the right. back line, right? It's like, I'm for yeah. you now. And Jesus yeah. would wrap these people into his community. He was always for them. And it was because he was for them that all of them would step then toward him. All of the disciples minus one, we historically believe were martyred in the end for the glory of Jesus Christ. And most of our accounts of them was them getting it wrong. Yep. And Jesus just stuck with them and he was relentlessly good to them. When there's someone who's considering Jesus or there's someone who just came to know Jesus in, in my church, you're the voice of God to them for a while. They're ba that we, baby Christians, like that term or not, look at them for a minute is, there's some years where we, the church, are the voice of God to them. And if Tove, isn't a constant refrain of our character, our heart, our voice, the way we preach and teach and lead people to Jesus. At some point, we do damage to the soul and the spirit and the psyche of young Christians. Dude, that's such a good word. You know, I super appreciate you. Um, I miss hearing you speak. So it's nice to get you on the call and get you like riffing for a minute. So yeah, man, I could, you know, we riff for hours at a time sometimes. So. I miss that. Let's do it on Zoom. I love it. Uh, all right, bro. Um, thanks for thanks for sharing. Love what you're doing. Yeah. You're up to. Um, love your heart. I think the woman at the well is such an interesting parallel, right? Here is Jesus, who is willing to just enfold these people into his community. I love the story that when we are image bearers and see image bearing, it calls us to action. That we have to go and create space. But in the same way, do you know you can also, if you don't see someone's image, you don't see who they are, and then it doesn't lead to action, you know we can actually shut down what God wants to do in people's life. It's true. 
So many people that I know, friends that I have, they got no beef with Jesus. But they got beef with like you and me sometimes. Because we're the people who don't see image bearers. We want you to get it cleaned up before you show up. We, we want you to look a certain way. And if you don't, we send just enough subtle signs. And, and I, I wanna point fingers at all of you, but the truth is, I was talking to my friend, Daisy, and it's not just us, and it's not just a modern problem or a recent problem. Like, this has been going on. This is why God's kingdom's such a challenge, is because our natural instinct is to say, let's draw circles, let's have you, um, it has to be homogeneous, has to look, has to be clean, can't be messy. Once you pass through this and you clean it all up, then we're all good. This has been going on for a long time, all the way back to the disciples. Okay, we're recording. I'm so glad you're on the call with me. Thanks, man. Thanks for asking. You, you really are one of my favorite people in the world, you know that. We've traveled all over the globe together. Mm-hmm. Like for real, that's true. I was actually looking at um, uh, a journal, and we were in India two years ago, coming up. Yeah, two years ago. You, I remember you warning us, like you might not like me after this trip. And we're all like, oh, and then we realized what you meant later. Like that took us completely out of every comfort zone that we could have ever thought we had. What, what is it about Jesus that made him a people first people person? What was, what has he tried to teach us? What, what are we supposed to learn? How are we supposed to act? What, what comes to mind? I've heard, you know, the Bible stories all my life, but only this year did uh, the story of Jesus at the well with the woman hit me in a completely different way. Jesus and this woman are having this amazing interaction. She's like encountering Jesus and in the most like deep way and he's rocking her world and um the disciples come back and the bible makes it clear like they don't feel like this should be going on they don't feel like she should be there but they don't say anything and i've never really noticed the so she left thing i've never really realized what that meant um until like i was um i think it was a sermon that i was listening to or something where it it was pointed out like the the church people were like the disciples came back and made it so uncomfortable for her that she needed to leave it just hit me like jesus is going after the the least of these right and going after people that that aren't like him in a sense um because he loves them and he's all about people and then we the church people are who mess it up (laughs) we don't look like this doesn't look right. You're talking to a right. woman. That's messy. At a well? Yeah. At noon? At the hottest time of the day? What are you doing? And what is she doing? She's not worthy or whatever. Like, I've been not so much about people and maybe more about looks or status or that doesn't look right or whatever. And the Lord really, like, broke me with that, with that realization, um, how we can completely mess up something this beautiful thing jesus is doing with somebody because we are just being too christian or too whatever how do we not be that what what do you think how do we not be that and more like jesus we stop judging people off of one ourselves instead of jesus like we look at that example i want to be like jesus i don't want to be like the people that run her off so that at some point it comes down to how would Jesus have me act? Simple as that. If I can't, if I can't walk up to someone who doesn't look like me because I'm afraid of what they'll think, that's again coming back to me. That's huge. Not that other person. I think a huge way that we can 
we can com combat that like natural instinct of us church people, me included, is think why? Like what? what is the reason why I'm uncomfortable, God? And please help me just lean into the discomfort. Thanks for jumping on with me. Um, I appreciate it. Yeah, man. Absolutely. Okay. All right. I'll see you. Okay, bye. So let me sum this up in one simple phrase, because I've been thinking about what is it that binds relationships together? And this is what we're talking about. Building a church where we're bound together. In spite of what we look like, in spite of our backgrounds, that we're bound together. Black, brown, white, all of us. How do we bind each other together? And it's interesting because research will tell you that all relationships really rise and fall on a really common thread, right? Like trust is what builds, breeds, cultivates, or destroys relational equity. When I have trust in a relationship, that relationship can go all kinds of places. And when I don't have trust, it destroys it. And, it, and research will tell you, it kind of trust in relationships is built on a simple phrase. Are you for me? Period. Think about it. When you know that someone is truly for you, it changes everything you hear from them. It changes how you see how they act toward you. Like when I believe that you're for me, I can hear correction. I hear what you have to say to me. I know, like you're for me. And so it actually brings us closer together in relationships. But the opposite is true too. When I believe you're not for me, if you're not for me, you know what it does? It disintermediates relationships. It breaks down trust. We have to answer this question. Is this church for me? See, if we're a church of Tove, when people walk into our doors, no matter where they come from, what they get is a sense that we see God's image in you and we are for you. We're for you. We're for you because God's for you. It's pretty clear. If Jesus would do all that he did, he's for you and he's for me. See, we, we have to be this kind of place. We have to allow for the messiness of human beings. We have to be willing to confront some of our own shortcomings. But we have to send a message we're for each other. This is why, this is why you'll see me oftentimes like, well, one, I love State Lines hoodies. Greg does great church merch. But the reason why... One of my best friends who I hang out with all the time is another pastor. It's not because we're trying to be politically correct or we're trying to send some arbitrary message. No, no, no. I'm for that dude. I love that guy. I want that church to crush it in Rockford. I am rooting. I will help. Why? Because him and that church, they're image bearers. They, they love Jesus. They're trying to do good work in our city. I am for him. And so ask Greg to just talk a little bit, but how do we continue to build cultures that 
are for each other. Hey, thanks for jumping on, dude. Um, I wanted Happy to, you like, we've been doing church work for a long time, you and me. I mean, like combined 40 years, probably. Friends for a long time. Since you were in your, a teenager. Teenager. Um, yeah, I think we've been having lots of conversations about what does it mean for me and you? Like, I lead Heartland, you lead Stateline. How do we have to behave in our community to make actual impact? So what, what do you think? We all realize that we have a story, right? We all know that we're walking around as a story. But where we have this flaw in our humanity is we all think we're the main character in our own story and everybody else exists to some degree to just play a role mm. in our story, right? A role to serve us. And the reality is none of us is actually were ever designed to be the main character in our own story. God is the main character. It should be the central piece of our story. And when you realize that God is the central piece of your story and he inserted himself into our story, even in the midst of our stories being a mess, even in the midst of us having brokenness, it changes our perspective. If he was willing to do that for us, then how much, much should we then be willing to do that for others? And this is that kind of the weird inverse relationship of God's kingdom versus human kingdoms is what's crazy then is when we place value on other people's stories, when we try to help other people achieve their dreams, when we champion other people, when we speak life into other people, it inversely gives life to us. We all know King David is the guy who killed Goliath the giant, and, but his story kind of began much earlier than that is just a shepherd boy who was just a nobody who was chosen by God because man looks at the outward appearance, but God looks at the heart. And so God saw something in David that made him noteworthy. And so he's called to be a king. But what happens is when Saul, the king of the time, hears that David's to be king, and then people begin singing David's praises, he can't celebrate David. He can't be for David because he's only for himself. And so then he tries to kill David and David goes on the run and he goes in hiding and he goes and lives in a cave. And there's an interesting little caveat in the scriptures when he goes into the cave, it talks about how 400 men come to David in the cave and it says they are discontented and they're sad. And so the only defining characteristics we see from these men that come to David in the cave is that they're misfits. The misfits, the broken, the marginalized were drawn to David. And then together in community, mm. something beautiful happens. These misfits go on to become David's mighty men. We all have either been a mess, are a mess, or will be a mess. And so the power of the cave and having empathy is understanding this, me too. We are all in this together. We need each other. And so if we can make God the central piece of our story and, and get the value that we need from him and not from others, then we can truly open up and not be competitive and not be spiteful and be champions of others the way Jesus was. And then, it, like I said, inversely get what we were looking for in the first place, which was meaning and identity and security don't, and love. Don't you think we kind of, this is where we miss it because I think you're absolutely right. Like um, what Jesus did and what David exemplifies is the ability to fold somebody into your community first. I think one of the challenges we face as churches is how do we model what Jesus did, which was, hey, you can come, you can fold into this community, you can hang with me, regardless of, you don't have to start with a litmus test. It, I think we, we've missed it. My best way to explain it is um, we really oftentimes aren't people first people. We think we are, but we really have a few things we want to see if, hey, do you agree with me? 
Do you line up with me? Then you can be my people. But the biggest danger that we face, like it's really risky to say, hey, hey, come on, come on in. We use the wrong tests. We use the tests that are only surface deep. It's only ide even ideology deep or a Facebook post deep. And the test that we should use is the Imago Dei, which the Imago Dei is the image of God, which is this belief that everybody has been created in God's image, which means that as you look at every single person, no matter which creed or background or religion that they come from, you will never lay eyes on someone who first and foremost doesn't have the DNA of God in them and someone who Jesus didn't go to the cross for. And if we see the image of God in people, it completely changes our perspective. Then we can look at somebody and be like, dude, I don't have to be against you. I can be for you because we're all in this together. And I need you and you need me because the reality is we're all misfits on our own. We only become mighty men when we're in community together. We could probably riff on this forever. Oh, I just for wanna, sure. I just want to say uh, really proud of you, man. Proud of the work that, that you do. Um, I'm really proud to be um in a community together, helping to do what needs to be done. We know Rockford needs, like Rockford really needs Stateline to reach people for Jesus. And you guys are the real deal. You've always been the real deal. You are for real, the real deal. So love you a ton, man. Thanks for sitting with love me. Love you too, man. We're definitely, we're all on this, in this together. Same team. Yeah. Same team. I'm for Stateline. I'm for City First. I'm for First Free. I'm for Providence Baptist Church because these men and women who lead this thing, guys like Greg Giamalva and Jeremy DeWert and Luke Urain and Bill Martin, you know what? They are image bearers of Jesus. They just are. I'm for them. We have to be. And see, the reality is that's not just true of pastors. That has to be true of everyone. We're for them. Listen, Heartland, if we're truly gonna be a place, a home for anyone and everyone, and not just people who look like us. If we're going to be a place for anyone and everyone, we have to settle this once and for all. We are for every single person who walks in our doors. We are for every single person in our community. We are for whether you're red or blue, whether you're black, brown, white, whether you're man or woman, whether you come from this country or another, we are for you, we're for you, why? Because Jesus was for you, because you're an image bearer, so much so that Jesus would leave heaven, all of his glory, to come down to this filthy pigsty of a world in order to sacrifice himself to save us, not just you, all of us, because we're all image bearers. It is so crazy out of style to believe, to live people first. I get it. But I'm telling you, this is gospel, period. And we have to be this kind of place. We have to be four people. Why? Because at the end of the day, we're all children of God. Father, I pray that you would give us the courage to move beyond our small little worlds, beyond our safe little spaces, 
beyond our church walls to truly represent you, Jesus. Reset our minds, help us see that in all people, believers, unbelievers, lost, found, black, brown, young, old, straight, gay, all image bearers. And help us be the kind of people just like you were that would sit, that would listen, that would invite, that would say, come to me. Father, help us be a Tove church, a church for anyone and everyone. Amen. You've been listening to Lead Pastor Eric Parks with part five of the series, Out of Style, with the message, Trust versus Control. You can experience the service this message came from by going to heartland.cc and clicking on the watch page, or go to our YouTube channel at Heartland CC Rockford. You can also watch it on the Heartland CC app. Thanks for listening.